Welcome back or welcome to the Success Times Happiness Podcast. I am Richard Thompson and today's guest is Grant Breeze. Grant is a UK national living here in Australia and he is a coach for men in their 40s to help them with their physical and mental health. He has helped hundreds of people in his career be better versions of themselves, both both physically and mentally. And I'm looking forward to sitting down with him and picking his brain about the tools and ways that he goes about his business. So sit back and enjoy the conversation with Grant. What do middle-aged men, what are they, what are they up against when it comes to physical and mental health at, in this moment of time? If we're going by the numbers, you know, it's not a great time to be a man in your forties. Um, I'm not too aware of what the stats are in Australia, um, but I'm pretty sure that men under 40 in the UK, one of the biggest causes of death is suicide. There's a lot of reasons for that, um, but I think the inability for men to be able to express themselves, to know what they need to do to improve physical and mental health, and having that um, masculinity stamp on them can be very, very difficult. It's very difficult not to generalise, because obviously there are a lot of men that do and are proactive about their health. But if you're going to believe a stereotype, I think men in their 40s, when it comes to physical health as well as mental health, have a tendency to bury their heads in the sand, uh, not really be very proactive about their health, even there, even if they're aware that they do have a problem. A physical and mental health problem. Um, and I think that's something that needs to be addressed. And I think that's probably why I'm in the space that I'm in. I think if I can be a voice and I can share my own experiences and other people's experiences, and that means that somebody else can tell their story as well, I think that's a positive outlook uh, and a good process to the kind of coaching that I do. And so tell me about that. Uh, where does that passion for you stem from in terms of helping others to better their mental and physical health? It probably came from me as I was aging and I became more aware of this kind of undertow of poor mental health in men in their 40s and suicide and I think as I approached 40, I became much more consciously aware of, am I going to be, you know, one of those numbers? Is that going to be me? Um, Certainly from a lot of stuff I was reading, it seemed like a great many men weren't aware of what was happening until it's too late. Um, and I think from a personal perspective, I can I can understand that now. The job of, of, of us all, I think, regardless of age, to make sure that we are vocal about mental health and physical health. You know, if you've got a sore elbow or you go to a doctor or a physio, but for some reason if you're a man in your 40s and you might have a mental health issue or you're aware that something's wrong, you might not do that. And you might not follow that through. How much is it, is it going into the way that you look at yourself? Or is that naivety that you're talking about is because you just, the these these people who are susceptible to that just refuse to introspection and 
they have a really they have a, tr a difficult relationship with themselves or a non-existent one. So when it gets challenging, when things change in life or life throws curveballs and they struggle with that, whether that's a death of a family member or whatever, you know, the, they react in a way where they just don't have a relationship with themselves. So therefore that's where they're coming from. It's a place of real insecurity rather than, so is that like, <clears throat> what's, I guess my question is like for you is where do you start with helping someone uh, with dealing with that? I think it's always difficult with a start point because you can't help anybody until that they agree that they want help. You know, whether it's a training program, losing weight, you know, so that's the biggest obstacle that you that you're going to come across. I think. The reason for this is, yes, not a very good understanding of self, but I think there's a lot of societal pressures and norms and pigeonholes that men feel that they need to wedge themselves into. And I think they become, we become experts at almost having not a schizophrenic, you know, way, but we'll have a p external persona and how we are with others. And we have this internal self that is not what we project. And I think that can be quite damaging. And is that projection in trying to uphold those societal values or societal views of what the role should be or that person should be in that environment, you're thinking? To show vulnerability or weakness, I think, in men, there's a lot of men still aren't comfortable with that. Um, I think that causes problems in itself when you need help because, you, you know, you're not, you don't have the tools to be able to reach out to people. I think that causes, you know, that causes problems not only for you as a person, but for the people that you interact with, for how happy you can be in your life and what you're doing. And I think, you know, there'll be, there'll be men listening to this now that are, giving the persona that life is great, but inside they're in pieces and they'll carry that on. Some some men, I'm sure, will carry that on their whole lives mm -hmm. and, and manage it until the day that they pass away. But other people won't be able to do that. And at some point, a problem will arise that they need to address. Otherwise, they're going to end up being a statistic mm -hmm. and nobody wants that. You don't go down that path, that dark rabbit hole, uh, there's no intent from a good place or in your early 20s, 30s, whatever the situation is, but you don't intend to go down that rabbit hole of the point of no return or shit, how did I even get here? It's a, it's almost like a death of a thousand cuts. Now, the, the difficulty or the, the, the scary bit in my view or my thoughts were that you have one person who has, you know, that that's not a lot his internal state is not aligned with the external what he's projecting right so therefore it's in my view it's like you've got to do that internal work to fix that now there's someone someone who like you said could manage that for the rest of their life and don't have significant events or the events the traumatic events that happen in their life but then there is someone who else who that will that'll be a triggering event go down that black hole and be a statistic what would you be saying though because neither person would know or but i guess both people would know in that situation that they've got it under control yeah i don't i 
don't necessarily agree with that. I think you can become so good at masking the problem, it's it it's like it doesn't exist anymore. And you know, you're like become so good at this projecting an external vision of who I am that you forget that actually this there's this other internal representation of yourself that that is in pieces. And I think that is massively common. You know, from a personal perspective, um, I always saw myself as resilient and strong and I had all these attributes that were, you know, propelling me forwards in my career and in my life. And, and then to find out that actually that wasn't the case, I'd just become a world-class professional at going, hey, this is me, look how great I am, look how happy I am, look how... And I've been doing it for such a long time that all those bit broken bits and pieces of the jigsaw that I needed to put back together to understand who I was were just, you know, like in a heap. Uh, and I come across that quite often now with clients, male clients that I take on board and we do a, like an onboarding week and they, you know, we have little questionnaires and stuff and they say everything is okay, but it's quite obvious as you go in and you start working with them that, that stuff isn't. But they're not in a position, I'm not a psychologist and they're not in a position to talk to me and I'm not qualified in that area. So it, it, it does become difficult. So then it's down to me to use the skills that I do have and my ability to coach and communicate and help them with nutrition and training and getting that fitting around their life, that hoping that that puts them in a place that then they can go, well, okay, maybe I need to go and fix this part as well. Yeah, that's beautiful. And obviously there's so much um, research surrounding diet and exercise to helping mental health. And that's probably, and I hadn't thought about that, but it's probably it's probably a little bit of both of just moving and eating well will help your mindset. Yeah, well, that don't. But, but also it opens up the opportunity and maybe a little bit of self-love and that investment into yourself to then go, actually, I do need help and I'm open for that because I'm open to improve. Whereas if you're sedentary and eating hot chips every day, you are not in that position of going, not almost not even that position of self-valuing, like putting enough value on yourself to go, I deserve help. Yeah, because you don't even you don't even deserve you're not even believing you deserve exercise or you don't deserve good choices. Yeah, and I think th th there's a flip side to that almost where exercise becomes a coping mechanism. So you're doing your training or running whatever it is, your gym because it makes you feel good, but it's papering over the cracks of what is actually going on. And it's very hard then to figure out what comes first, you know, do it, you know, as a person, are you aware that this is a coping me mechanism? I'm sure you know that, you know, periods where you're not able to train, what effect does that have on your mood? You know, working with top class athletes in the past and, you know, a period of inactivity or training mood straight down. Is that because training is beneficial to mental health or is it because exercise is a coping mechanism for a problem that that person may or may not have with their mental health. Yeah. Or the mood goes down because you're giving it space. You don't have that, that distraction. Yeah. So you're now in a place of 
full observance of what your own internal issues are and that's why the mood drops yeah whereas if you're sweating and moving and going to the gym and coming home and then going for a bike ride or something and then you're like yeah i'm, I'm too busy <clears throat> to think about the shadow yeah and uh but on top of that i feel great because i'm moving and obviously diet as you very well see diet follows the exercise so you're more inclined to eat well by moving going to that place of exercise and good eating and then peeling back from there to go well what is it actually what am i not what am i not tackling because i'm sort of trying to distract myself at least you're distracting yourself with good behavior yeah and behavior that will help you the mind body connection is stronger than we give it credit for most of the time myself included not addressing issues that you have it was explained to me once like a big bag full of water and you're just sticking plasters over all these things and the water keeps spraying out and you're sticking more plasters over until eventually the bag just breaks that bag breaking is your mind will put some physical issues going on to try and make you take notice again i'm not a psychologist but i feel that this is something quite common again it's something that i've had with my clients and with myself that get to a point where from a personal perspective i was having lots of physiological symptoms and i was like well something's wrong so i need to go to the doctor test 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 uh, you'll find you're in a perfect bill of health there's nothing wrong with you and eventually after having to give my logical mind this kind of tick box of it isn't this it isn't this it isn't this and and having a good support network and doctors around me going look we need to finish these tests because if we don't you're immediately going to go oh it must be that so you finish all the tests and then you have to accept that all these physiological things that were happening to you was was a direct result of your poor mental health so it's actually the mental health side of things you need to address to allow you to get back to that point but if your coping mechanism is exercise and your brain has gone right here's some physiological symptoms that's going to stop you exercising then you you've got no choice well, i had no choice i was in denial you know i'm fine it's got to be physical it's not mental 100 yeah. percent. until my mind just went look you've got to deal with this or you know you're going to be in problems and i think because i'm the type of person that i I am. I want to feel good. I want to feel fit. I want to feel healthy because I understand all the benefits that come from that with the rest of your life, knock on effect with relationships and work and all that stuff. So much easier when you're in good mental space yeah. um, that I was very proactive with that. But I think a lot of men get into that position where they can't exercise because they've got physiological issues that have been brought on by poor mental health and they're just choosing to ignore it. And it's the body's way of going, look, this is your step opportunity to, to step up and do something about this. Mm. And th I think the men that don't are the men that unfortunately end up as one of those statistics or depression. Or Why do you think people are so reluctant to start that process of self-evaluation or self-discovery? It's scary stuff. But why? Again, I, I would say I go back to these kind of societal norms and pressures about what men are supposed to be. And I think, you know, using an example of stereotypes and social pressures, you know, if you're, let's say, wiping the sake clean, you're a man in your 40s, you're 
suddenly decide that one day my health is important, physical and mental. I'm going to get a trainer. I'm going to start exercising. Hey, I might even go and get some therapy just to see where I'm at. The society would say that you're having a midlife crisis. I would say that that is a time you're having midlife growth. You're deciding that you're, you know, going to train and exercise. Like what happened to me wasn't a crisis. It was a time of growth. Mm. But a lot of people don't understand that. And they go, well, you know, are you, are you, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, <coughs> I'm good. Yeah. I'm better as a result of this. This has been a not a crisis. Mm. It's been growth. And growth is good, right? Yeah. It's what we want all the time because that makes us better people and makes us better for our partners and our lives and our jobs and our kids and all the stuff that's important. Is the culmination of, like, is the it's obviously no coincidence that it's around that late thirties, early forties. You've you've got your career sorted. I'm talking about clients of yours. You've got your career path there. You've got an established family. Your kids might be getting into school now, and it's that period of time where you're like, I guess you're no longer chasing life's goals or life's. Um, I guess you're not chasing the rabbit anymore. It's like, okay, I've found my place. And that's when it hits home maybe to go. You've probably got a, a job that's keeping you know, a roof over your head. You've got a big mortgage. You've got all those things. Whereas in your 30s, you have less responsibilities. Chances are in your 30s and 20s, you may have been exercising more as well. Mm. And in your 40s, you're probably yeah. a bit more tactile in terms of direction too in your 20s and 30s that in the sense it's like well if i don't like here i'm going this way more freedom yeah but now you're you're sort of locked in this sort of hamster wheel almost and yeah. that's that's probably when people like oh shit start questioning where they are and who yeah. they are and what they're doing and then maybe it is that it is that desire for growth rather than a crisis as you say like it's looking at it as the opportunity to grow mm. as an individual and opening the door to all the scary skeletons that that will present but being uh willing to being a willing participant in that and to say well it's it is i think it is scary because of the unknown of where you could go and <clears throat> i think also like you're in that position and there are a lot of what you would probably like to consider as non-negotiables in your life. And then to peel those layers back and to think I'm not happy in the place that I'm at right now, which means that something needs to change, either myself or my environment. And that's scary. Yeah, and I think like you say, the non-negotiables are external they're all stuff that's out, that's out here and it's easier to put focus on that. I must look after this and I must make sure that all these things are happening how they need to and sacrifice you and what you're trying to do and, and how you're trying to understand yourself or your ability to go and start exercising or speak to somebody about mental health, you know, and, and that's an excuse I hear quite often, you know, I don't have time to do this. My focus is on my wife and my kids and my work and I have family commitments and job stresses. I don't have time to look after me. And it's like, what? Mm. 
you know you what's going to happen is you're going to get to a point where you have to be proactive because you're in a problem you choice no you don't have a yeah. choice and at that point you know it's like you could have done this five years ago and avoided that potentially yeah. avoided the situation yeah. that you're in now for sure and that i know meditation has a lot i mean i i i do a lot of meditation and that does come under that category of of looking after yourself but there's that saying that like if you don't have time to meditate 10 minutes a day then you need to meditate an hour a day <laughs> like if you think you if you don't have time to move exercise for 10 for mm. half an hour a day then you need to find an hour mm. because you need it more than anyone else yeah um so how do you cut through with your clients when they come to you and say grant like i'm that's all well and good, mate, but I don't have time. I have, yeah, I have all these responsibilities. How do I etch out? And immediately I sort of think it's, it's, it's prioritizing, which is the, that's the failing point. But how do you, how do you see that? I think the most important thing is to go and meet people where they're at. So you need to step into their world, actually figure out what's going on, how much stress they've got, how much time is available. Because a lot of the time people have preconceptions about the time that they need to do something. So they might have, for example, oh, I need to four hours a week in the gym and I have to cook all these different meals. And, and it's like, well, no, you don't have time for that now. So they start with what, you know, a half an hour session twice a week, a walk around the block with the kids you know, you've got to step into somebody else's world, figure out where they are, and then create something from that that expands over time. Because if you've got this, hey, I know this program works and it's great because this guy did it and look at that, but you just drop it into somebody else's life, mm. they're having to radically change everything in their life. They're already in an environment that's massively stressful they feel that they've got no time you know most people do have time they just need to find it it's, they're probably doing lots of pointless shit a lot mm. um and once you can meet them in that space start to educate them about don't worry if you've if you've been doing nothing for the last five years and you walk once a day for 30 minutes for the next three weeks you've done more in the last mm. in the three weeks than you've done the last three weeks if you could then do a 30-minute workout on top of that and then start to eat more vegetables, drink more water. And it's weird because a lot of people go, yeah, but that's not enough. Yeah, And you, yeah, and you yeah. go, yeah, it's right now, that's enough. It's more enough. than you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's enough. Yeah. You know, let's do that and then... In find, the, it, find it in the minutia. Yeah, yeah. And, and build on that. And you'd be amazed how, you know, I, that's what I love about my job is... Give people the tools, yeah. and you'd be amazed how far people go. Yeah. You know, they, and it, it's a cool thing just to be able to be. And you know, people go, "Oh, thank you, thank you." I don't really do anything. Yeah. I, all I've gone is gone. Look, I'm good at figuring out what we can help do to help you with the time that you've got available right now. Yeah, and I, I guess it comes back to also intention, right? So that person might you you know you might be suggesting you need to drink. I don't know. X amount of liters of water a day, right? Hydration's huge. But in the past, they wouldn't have thought about hydration. Generally, probably mm -hmm. underhydrate. Let's face it. Yeah. But, um, but the way you work with them and so cleverly, or so impactfully, is that you have to say, "All right, I need you to hydrate properly for you." And so it's the, it's the shape of intention now to go. I'm hydrating because 
I'm prioritizing my health. And it's not, you know, not trying to etch out three hours a day to do, you know, a massive CrossFit exercise. It's, I'm, you need you to drink water, right? It's not, not rocket science, but it's that intention of I'm drinking this for me. And that's that neural pathway change of going, I'm actually doing things for me. And that opens up going, yeah, well, I also want to walk. I'm going to go walking. I want to do exercise. And then you just layer those prioritizing, that prioritizing yourself because you can see the value for the rest of your world yeah. when you do that. Yeah, and I think that being proactive as well gives you some form of control back. So you, 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 you don't feel like you're a hamster on a wheel or you're just a passenger on this life, right? What's going on? I'm just along for the ride here. This is, you know. Yeah. So if you can give somebody some knowledge, some control, and then see how far they want to go with it. And a lot of the time you, you'll do things and it won't work for people and they'll push back. There'll be resistance there, which happens near enough with every client. And then it's about, right, why is this a problem? Why is there so much resistance getting you to do this task? Let's discuss it. Let's figure this out because if this isn't going to work, we need to find another way to do something. But for the majority of people, where their health is, those small changes make quite a big difference. And when they start doing that, it becomes self-motivating because people feel better. And then they all have these little light bulb moments going, wow, yeah, this is great. And, you know, this is brilliant. And, you know, what can we do next? And, oh, I don't feel like I've come that far. Six weeks ago, you were doing nothing. Mm. Now you're doing 70,000 steps a week. You're doing three half an hour workouts. You're eating better. You're hydrated. That's massive what do you say to people who um <clears throat> who have tried in the past to get on the health bandwagon or to get on the putting yourself first and fail because you know we have that all that whole external projection to the world of who we are whether that's in real life or in social media and uh but internally we carry every failure, you know, that we are only aware of, right? And so you might look at me as the successes that I've achieved, but you have no idea how many failures that are sitting with me. And that could be as simple as I'm going to walk the dog every day or not even ex- not exercise. I'm going to floss my teeth every day because I know that's well valuable for my oral hygiene but I don't and that's a failure right that's a I've, I've that's a cross on my shoulders and you do that extrapolate that over every like every year for the last 30 40 odd years I'm coming to the table as someone who has failed 90% of the time with every promise I have made to myself and the big ones for men I presume would be eating healthy the state that my body is in it's terrible and uh and I promised myself in January that I would go to the gym but fail how do you break that down and get through cut through that prior history of failure and so that they can be successful in perpetuity failure is great Right. There's no two ways about it. We learn way, way, way more from a failure than we do from successes. So I would say, and I say this to, again, 99% of my clients, what have you done in the past that's worked? 
and they'll tell you, yeah, I did this. And, you know, it might not be in my eyes that it's worked. They might have done a diet for 15 weeks and they lost two stone and then put it back on. To me, that's not success. But they will be able to tell you what they've been successful at in those past diets. Then you say, well, tell me what have you failed at? What did you learn from that? And they're telling you, they're building a program for you already. They're telling you, counting calories didn't work for me. I hate all the tracking stuff or we did this diet and that was really cool. And, you know, this, and already you're taking all the pieces out and formulating something you can put together for them. And then it's just about saying, if the goal was to floss their teeth every day for the month and they only manage 20 days, that's not a failure. It's 20 days more than you did before. And I think reframing how people process success and failure rather than if you fail, you give up, you chuck all the toys out of the pram, it's over, I'm done, never doing this again, rather than going, okay, why did that not work? You know, is there somebody that can help me? Can I speak to a coach? Why well, I did this and it didn't work. And then you just press reset and you go again. And I always say, you know, to my clients, sometimes you just got to... Nobody wants to get up and do that training session. You've been there, it's cold, it's wet, you feel like rubbish. But you just switch your brain off and you just do it. Mm. And I think that is such a valuable skill because ultimately it's in those moments that you succeed more and you fail less, mm. even if you have a ropey workout or you don't eat as well as you should have done that day. You know, you're chipping away at it. And once you can do that over time, you can't fail to be successful. Yeah, I think that's becomes re rewiring the perception of failure and in your history as well, not just in the present. And to be able to deal with that and think, you know, that whole that common quote of like, uh, when you don't win, you learn. I think if you can get to that place, then the fear of setting something up like uh, flossing your teeth every day is less scary mm. because the idea of putting a goal out there or doing something that you don't think is possible or you know you know that is good for you but you've had so much history of not doing it um, and not not achieving you're like well this, what's the point but if you can reframe your relationship with failure to the fact that well I will succeed. But when, if I don't, along the way I learn rather than lose, then I think you're in a much stronger position to set yourself up uh, for those, for that journey rather than going, well, either we win or we lose. And if we lose, the, the toys are out of the cot. Mm. I think from a coaching perspective as well, that I've failed. If I'm with a client and that program's not work out, that's my failure, not theirs. They've not had a program that's been suitable for them. And I see it all the time. Clients come to me and I say, oh, what have you done in the past? And they go, oh, I did this, this and this. And I'm going, oh, right, okay, that didn't work out then. No, no, no. And it's, to me, it's it's a no-brainer. Then That was never, ever going to work for them. But, you know, there's a lot of fitness professionals out there that just about sales and not about success. You know, and I think, it's unfortunate because we need to do better. <laughs> we really do. I think, you know, the people that really need help out there with their health are people that are struggling. Mm. You know, they're not 
people like the, you and I, which, you know, enjoy every facet of exercise that we do, right? They're people that struggle to find value in it, to struggle to understand the benefits from it because they've never felt them before. It's easy. So where's your first step? Where's, what's the first step for someone in that position for you? Start small, right. you know, and, and you've got to throw this kind of mindset of, six pack or bust workouts programs in the bin you know this idea that that that's health that's where people we should all be aspiring to i think is damaging and i think you know if somebody sees that as you know oh, I've, I've had a can of coke full fat coke I'm, oh, that's it my program's over and it's like no well it does you've had one can of coke who cares carry on you know, it's not going to, you're not any less of an individual as for having a piece of cake or a can of beer or it's that in moderation and you can still enjoy those things and improve your health massively. Mm. You know, if you're on a continuum and this is the peak of physical health, whatever that is, and this is, you know, the worst, most people only need to be a little bit further up to lead happier, more fulfilled lives yeah i think also like it's the, the the idea that you can't win health either like there's no destination to go yeah i, I fucking crushed health <laughs> you know like uh that's that's tick yeah. you know what i mean it's 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 a forever game and i think when when people go oh i just want to lose 10 kilograms um, then I, I will have, I will have won health. It's just not the case. No. And so therefore it's a understanding like what, what does that process, the forever process look like for you? And that's moderation. That's getting things in, in order so that you can enjoy life. And it's also, I think, peeling back for those people who are sitting there going, oh, I just don't have any motivation to do anything. It's like, well, there is some discomfort there. Mm. Otherwise, you wouldn't be feeling discomfort. As in, you want something better for yourself or for your life. And it's what good, good health, good, you know, good health and good, you know, exercise and health. What that provides, that's what needs to be tapped into. Yeah. Rather than, like, no one cares for a six pack. It's what the perception of the six pack does, mm. right? It's it's like. They don't want to lose twenty kilos. It's what the twenty kilos off them yeah. provides yeah. for them. So it's uh, set. Uh, yeah, maybe setting up. I think it's also breaking down that identity of well, I'm just someone who doesn't achieve my goals that I set for myself. So then I won't set goals for myself because I don't want to fail. But it's being able to uh, be truly believe that you can redefine who you are and redefine any of that um, whenever you're ready. Yeah. And that everyone fails, yeah. right? Like, fuck. Yeah. Everyone misses the mark. Well, who's it he said, I failed my way to success? Was it Edison or somebody like that? Yeah, right. You know, and... But uh, it comes back to the perception, right? Yeah. So you, for people who don't achieve much or they don't set themselves up to try to, they look at the other people in the world and go, they're successful, but I'm not. Mm. And it's like that person is exactly the same person as you are. We're all human and everyone fails. No one has just gone through life successfully without failure. 
in fact, I would argue that the people who are the most successful have probably been the most failure, the, yeah. the, the worst at failing as well. Yeah. By virtue of that pushback, by virtue of being pushing the boundaries of what's possible, and then you go, oh no, I've gone too far here. I've absolutely failed, and I'll. But that doesn't stop them from yeah. aim, aiming higher. Yeah. You know, the goal is too far. It's like, okay, I want to lose that ten kilos. And all, all that person's focusing on is, is the 10 kilos. And they're not got an athlete mindset. So as way, you know, probably when you're training and you're out running and cycling, 90% of the time you're thinking about that event, right? Whereas that average person, if they're just thinking about the event or losing that 10 kilos, it makes it much harder. What they really need to be thinking about is, did I get my steps in today? Yeah. Did I eat what, you know, did I eat better than I did yesterday? Have I done my exercise this week? Mm. And do all those little process things and then that will happen. But a lot of the time people, you also need to dig into why do they want that 10 kilos? What's that going to give you? How's your life going to be different? Yeah. You know, what's happening? How do you feel when you're 10 kilos lighter? What are you doing? Who are you hanging out with? Mm. What activities are you doing that you weren't doing before? And a lot of the time, people won't be able to answer any of those questions. And you're like, well, why is that goal so important to me? And it's not important to them. It's it's what they believe that they should be doing. Sure. And they're never going to achieve any goal that you think you should be doing. You've mm. got to want it to do it. And it's got to give you something back. It's got to make you feel confident. It's got to, you know, lower your blood pressure, improve your cholesterol levels, improve your mental health. You know, there's got to be something there that's giving you your why and i i mean i do think about the end goal but a lot of my it's interesting because a lot of my the way that i go about it is the process driven so it's like how can i i'm just focused on making today really really good and knowing that if i can make today really good and that's relative yeah for everyone but if you can focus on today and stack today with with the next day and the next day the next day and then all of a sudden the goal you're so far past that goal because it's no longer you're not actually folk the, the goal is not actually that the goal is developing that process that you can sustain yeah in perpetuity and that you'll absolutely love but yeah i totally accept and agree that whole intrinsic bit and you know if only i was 10 kilos lighter and then it's like well why and if you're not if it's not driven inside you then of course you know, 3 p.m. comes and you're scoffing down Tim Tams and, um, you know, and, and everything because it's the desire's not there. And yeah. you're always going to get that, those hurdles and those points of the points of time where m most people quit, right? The difficult yeah. bits. And you go, yeah, this is where uh, most people will tap out here. And it could be a 3 p.m. or whatever. And, You've just got to if you, if if the why is strong enough, you'll sort it. That that's yeah, the house takes care of itself. This has been awesome, man. So we'll end up with a couple of questions okay. for you. Number one tip for someone searching for success in their life. I would say enjoy the process. Make sure it's a goal that you want. Understand that if you don't get there, you still might have been successful. Um, but yeah, I think success comes from enjoying the process, whatever goal that may be, I think. Beautiful. Number one tip for someone searching for happiness in their life? It's going to come from you internally. Uh, happiness doesn't come from external stuff. 
Um, if you're happy yourself, you're much more accepting of other things that go on in your life that you can have influence over positively, I think. Uh, must read book. Must read book is a book called Happy Sexy Millionaire okay. by a guy called Stephen Bartlett. Um, I say that book because it's a story of him and he's a very successful CEO millionaire now. He's got like a zillion people podcasts and all the rest of it. Um, but I read his book a few years ago and it resonated with me because he was on this journey. He wrote it in his diary that he wanted to be a happy, sexy millionaire and the range of over a hundred million dollars, whatever it was, and spent his life to 28 achieving that, you know, sacrificing everything, beginning, believing that it was going to give him this fulfillment. Anyway, long story short, he got there. It didn't. Uh, and he's been on a kind of journey ever since to understand why that was our most inspirational person in your life met so many amazing people i've been very lucky to meet a lot of very very inspirational people i can think of a few i'm i was heavily involved in motorcycling at one point and um i worked with a guy who we won british championship together a few times his resilience i've never met anybody who was as as resilient as him like he would fall off win the next race he had a nearly a life-ending accident i went to see him in hospital they were putting a halo on him because he'd broken his back and um he's getting me to talk to his surgeon about getting back into training and stuff <laughs> what's his name shane Byrne. okay so him him yeah amazing guy during that period when i was trying to get into that uh that field, I would go to races and chat to people and stuff. And one day I was listening to the commentator and he said there was a guy in the race that I was watching that had no legs. And I was just like, I couldn't get my head around the fact that he was on a motorbike with no legs. So I went to, I thought, I got to meet, I got to meet this guy. So I went to meet him and sure enough, he had no legs below the knee. He had them uh, blown off in Afghanistan by an IED. So I just made the assumption that, you know, this was something that he wanted to get back into after his, you know, having his legs removed. And it wasn't. He just decided that I'm going to race motorbikes now. And that just blew my mind. You know, and he's, his name's Murray Hambro, and he's gone on to uh, open up his own successful CrossFit gyms in the UK and, you know, had a terrible time of it with family and lost his two-year-old son. But resilience and, you know, very inspirational dude. One of those people that when you're around, you're just like, wow. Mm. So definitely those two. And probably my eight-year-old son. <laughs> Mainly because uh, he's got an unbelievable skill to always be happy. And that has a knock-on effect to other people. And it always kind of blows my mind that to see that and the effect that it has on, on me as well. So yeah, lots lots of people around to uh, be inspired by. Uh, finally, one guest, famous or not, in any field that you would like to see me interview. Stephen Bartlett would be a good one. Yeah, if you yeah. get him. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Do you have to be an Aussie? No. Because I was thinking about Aussies. You know, like I definitely, you know, enjoy uh, uh, hearing people's stories that have had, you know trial and adversity and come back from that. I've been following uh, Quade Cooper. I've always been a fan of his, and he had quite a big comeback, really, playing for Australia and 
then had an injury and I, I kind of like what he's got to say about life and aspirations and stuff awesome put on the list reach out to him Grant Breeze thank you very much it's been a pleasure and um, keep up the good work thank you you're welcome so that was Grant Breeze such a such a lovely guy and such a wonderful opportunity to sit down with him and extract those the ways that he goes about his business in helping men uh, achieve their physical and mental health Uh, A lot of really important points that I think we touched on and hopefully you all uh, took something away from that that can be implemented into your lives. Thank you so much. Please share this episode with people that you think will will have benefited from it. And uh, until next time, peace. 